0: Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of The Volume Knob, the songs that saved your life this week, Kurt and In a Silent Way. Welcome back to the show. It's another episode of TVK, where every couple of weeks or so, I try and inject a little bit of empathy, a little bit of humanity into the world by sharing stories with you about humanity's amazing creation, which is music. It's actually a great day here in Montreal. Uh, The sun is out. Temperatures are in the mid-20s or so. That's about high 70s for my American friends. Times like these, I can't help but think of that famous excerpt from Leonard Cohen's Beautiful Losers about spring in Montreal. He he wrote, In Montreal, spring is like an autopsy. Everyone wants to see the inside of the frozen mammoth. Girls rip off their sleeves and the flesh is sweet and white, like wood under green bark. From the streets, a sexual manifesto rises like an inflating tire the winter has not killed us again we're not dead yet friends we still have plenty of stories to tell including the one brought to us this
1: week by this week's guest my name is kurt mullen i am a non-smoker and the song that saved my life is in a silent way by Miles Davis.
0: I'm so excited that Kurt has brought a story regarding Miles Davis this week. I am a big fan of Miles Davis. I love his music very, very much. And some of you may know this, many of you probably don't, that Miles, my son, who is responsible for the reviews at the end of the show that so many of you appreciate, was actually named... After Miles Davis, it's a funny thing because my wife and I are the kind of people who debate everything. It's never a situation like buying a painting to hang on the wall is often a multi-week debate. But in naming the children in naming Miles and Kate, Miles and Catherine, it was one of the easiest conversations that we ever had or the easiest decisions, that is to say. We were lying around on the couch In our old house, and Rini was pregnant, and Miles Davis was on the stereo. We were listening to Kinda Blue, and I said to her, What about Miles if it's a boy? And unlike any other important decision we ever have to make together, she instantly snapped said, Yes, that's a great idea. But what if it's a girl? And I said, Well, Catherine was my mother's middle name, and it was my grandmother's name, and it's a really meaningful name in my family. What about Catherine? But we can call her Kate. And she said, yes, that's a fantastic idea. And it was it. It was done. Except for one thing. I said to her, that's a lot of my ideas. What if we also reflect your name? In the children's names, her family name is hyphenated. It's Gregory Eve's. And so Miles is Miles Gregory, and Catherine is Catherine Eve. And that's how Miles Davis, or maybe how big a role Miles Davis plays in our family. Miles Davis plays a big role in Kurt's story. It's a story about doing good things for yourself, but having to learn about yourself first. Here's Kurt.
1: It's early January 1999, and I've just landed in Seattle. I'm 26 years old. I barely own a thing, so to move across country from Boston like I do, it's just a matter of catching this flight. And in the entire like Pacific Northwest, I have like two friends in Seattle, actually. And one of them is Amanda. She has a dog. And so the first thing I do when I get there is I go to this dog park. And the skies, as usual, are congested. Actually, in 1999, Seattle set a record for consecutive days that are rainy. And I'm walking around, cloudy skies, but those clouds at some point, like 20 minutes in, you know, I'm thinking, wow, I'm a really long way from home. I'm thinking wow, there's something about being a long way from home. It might just loosen something and the skies open up and I can actually see peaks like mountain peaks and some blueness to the sky and of course in Seattle, even in the middle of winter, unlike in Boston everything stays green on the ground so there's this huge feeling I'm left with that this is a good place for me, you know this is a place where I could probably affect some change in my life. I've come from Boston, like I said, where I worked at an encyclopedia. It was an encyclopedia of African studies, like the spread of African culture to North America and Central America and Latin America. I, actually, I'm a proofreader, not a writer and researcher like these other folks, but I love what i do. And in fact, i just sit there in that office chair every day and i end up reading all 2 million words of this encyclopedia. So by the time i get to Seattle to work on the second version because it was sold to Microsoft I have read a lot about, well, this celebration of culture. I loved this job because it was about, you know, what what black people can do have gotten done in like uh civil rights and and, and in government leadership positions and philosophy and the rest of academia and art and and culture and music. And music is a really big deal to me. Like when I landed in Seattle, I know way more about music because I've read this encyclopedia and, and in, 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 to be a little more specific, way more about jazz than I ever did before. And because I hardly know anybody, I don't really have a social life. I take books out from the library about jazz and I listen to jazz and I'm, I'm really into Miles Davis and, once I get beyond, like, the late 40s and the 50s of the of the bop and the hard bop and all that, and I get to it, Kind of Blue, and I listen to it 90 million times, I'm completely enamored of him. And it doesn't stop there, fortunately. And by the late 60s, he's remade himself again, and he's into fusion, and there's this one album, his first fusion album, called In a Silent Way. It's made up of two songs, and it's the second song that I'm really, really into. It's called in a silent way. And, you know, I'll go to work at Microsoft, I'll put on my earphones, I have my work on my screen, I'll listen to the song more often than not, more often than any other music, just over and over. I just love it. There's um, a lot of noodling going on in the song, to be frank. But about 13 minutes in, Miles Davis has this ability. Like, he just starts playing his trumpet. And there's just these ribbons of emotion. He's this incredible, uh, he has this brilliance uh, for connection. And he also signals to the other players, hey, guys, we got to get going. And his young drummer at the time, Jack DeJohnette, gets the information, and he just crashes into his drum set. And he crashes the cymbals in such a way, it's like the skies are opening, and there's this riptide of chill going down my spine every time I hear it. It is so positive. One late morning, I go out into the parking lot, into the spitting rain, in my green parka, because I'm from Boston. I haven't put on any Gore-Tex, and I'm out there because I'm I want to smoke, because that's what I do at the at the time. I I'm I'm every forty-five minutes you'll find me out there because I'm hooked, and I'm having my cigarette and I'm blowing out a big plume of smoke and I. I look up and there's this young woman walking across the parking lot and she's, she's really pretty. And I know that because I've spent a little time that morning actually talking to her. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got absolutely nothing going on with her. Um, In fact, in our, this conversation, um, I definitely could tell that she spent the weekend with someone she really liked, like it seemed, in a camper van in the mountains. And somewhere in the back of my skull, I'm thinking, that'd be a good one, like to quit smoking and get into adventures and see what those mountains look like. It's just a little voice in my head. Well, I look up through this plume of smoke and I see this young woman, her her face, it, it just drops like she's repelled by what she sees. In fact, just a to drive that home, instead of walking through the door that's just behind me, the main door to the building, I see her like take a left and go around the side of the, uh, apparently to use another door. Like that's how much she wanted to. I was just like, oh. And you would think, like, oh, that's the moment where this person, Kurt Mullen stop smoking. But it doesn't work like that. When you're addicted to something, you don't have a choice. 45 minutes later, you can yeah, I'm out there doing it again. But the difference with Seattle is, you know, this dropping face that I see, it's not the first time I get that message. These messages have been coming to me since like back in Boston. The difference is I'm, I'm willing to let it in. Like this is what it looks like. And I do decide around this time, you know, I, I'd rather, I'd really like to stop this. And I don't know who gave me the name of the doctor and the number, but I do have healthcare with this new job. And I make this appointment. I go into this doctor's office in Seattle and I, I tell the doctor right away, you know, like I've tried to quit dozens of times. This thing has a hold on me. I'm going to be straightforward with you. I need all the help I can get. And as we're talking, I can see this glint in this man's eye. He's about 10 years older than I am, which puts him in his late 30s. And he's got a nice sense of humor. And very quickly, we knock down the walls of like doctor, patient, normal Rapport. And we're talking about like, even his, his dad, who was a smoker and had promised a number of times that he would quit but could never get it done. But somewhere in the middle of all this, this doctor's kind of telling me that he, he wants me to succeed and believes that I can. And it's really important because I'm feeling like this guy is my cheerleader. Important because I don't really have anybody. I'm alone. I've got a couple of friends, but I need this. And he says, look, the first two weeks of quitting smoking, it's going to be really hard. Ever since you got addicted to cigarettes, you've been caught in this loop where every time you, you light up, you get this dopamine really You need to replace the cigarettes with something more healthy. And I said, you're right. And I've, I, I've read about this. And actually, my plan is I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a brand new pair of running shoes. And he says, good. And leaving there, you know, I'm, I'm like, I've got everything that I can get and more. And I also know that if I go out, you know, if I go out and have a couple beers, I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to want is a cigarette. So It's also about not going out anymore, too, (laughs) at least for a while. And so I pick a date in the near future and I grab my best buddy in Seattle, Dan, and we go out to this bar in a neighborhood called Fremont. And we have a good time. And at the end of that night, I give away my extra cigarettes and I go home and I go to sleep. And when I wake up, I I put on the patch and I, I lace up the running shoes and I go out into Seattle and I walk for hours and hours and hours. And I'm walking like up hills and down hills and paths past these craftsman style houses. And sometimes the, you know, the sky actually opens up a little bit and you can see Puget Sound, but mostly it's 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 cloudy and foggy. And I'm just walking. I'm into it, and I walk into the night and I walk all the way home. And it's late, and I take off all my clothes. I take a shower. I hop in bed, exhausted. I wake up in the morning, Sunday morning, I do the exact same thing because my strategy with the new running shoes is to wear myself out. It's what I do. On Monday morning, I'm back at Microsoft, got the earphones on, looking at my work on my screen, I'm listening to in a silent way. And you know, I have been two days without cigarettes for the first time in years. I'd like to tell you that I feel good but where I really am is in the middle of it. Quitting anything is a a tedious experience. It's not really a story to tell. It's a matter of just resisting this thing that wants to dominate your mind. Come get me, come get me, come get me, it keeps saying, but I keep my ass in the chair. And what I realize, for me to change anything about what how I'm moving through life, it can't come from something negative. It has to come from a positive place. And this is the first time I really get this. It's like the skies opening up on that dog walk. It's It's the drummer crashing the cymbals and sending that chill down my spine. It's the relationship I start with that doctor real quick. It's all positive stuff that sort of keeps me up. I don't spend any time burning matches. I don't give myself a hard time for wanting, but I keep my butt in that chair and I don't smoke. And I'm lucky because two weeks later, I still haven't smoked. And such is the economy at the time that I barely have to lift a finger and I find a new job. In Seattle, no more rainy morning bus rides. Over to Redmond. I quit smoking in early July 1999. I start this new job in early August. And a few days into it, I start talking to this woman. She has like the most dazzling blue eyes. And every time I talk to her, all I can think about is like, when do I get to talk to her again? And we start to go to lunch and we actually never part like we're still together now we're married and live in massachusetts but she still remembers you know if you'd been smoking at the time she says to me we never would have talked
0: Hey friend, thanks for listening. The Volume Knob is a periodic exploration of stories about music and the way it makes us feel. As always, it is produced by Semlovin Audio and it is edited, mixed, written, sound designed, produced, and hosted by me. My name is Keith Siri. Many thanks to Kurt for sharing his time and his talent and his vulnerability this week. As always, I'd encourage you to get over to the Volume Knob website. That's www.volumenob.net for show notes, where you can learn more about Kurt and his writing and his storytelling. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Volume Knob newsletter. Finally, here's Kate with her 30-second review of In a Silent Way – There are no bonus points to listeners who are surprised by her reaction to a 20-minute jazz odyssey. So, obviously, you loved that.
1: I, I hated it. Like, to the depths of my heart. It was way too long. It was, like, 20 minutes long for the same thing to be playing over and over and over again. There was nothing going on. It was, like, um, uh, the, the... What's it called? Elevator music, except even elevator music was more entertaining. It was just,
0: like, bad. So, 20-minute jazz fusion odysseys from the late 60s. Thumbs down from Katie.
1: Big thumbs down. Double thumbs down. Drupal thumbs down.
0: I'll see you again in two weeks with another story about the songs that saved your life.